As I said, it's, 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 it's an interesting time. We live in the age of uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. Let, let me just ask with this very human question. How are you in, in Kuala Lumpur? Are you in lockdown like, like we are? I returned from the U.S. on the 13th of March and had to go into self-isolation for 14 days. And immediately after that, they announced a curfew and other measures. So really, I've been more or less at home, only going out to the supermarket and to chemists ever since then. Yes, in, indeed. This is the third period of isolation I've gone through since February. I came, yes. uh, I was in Korea briefly, just for one night, but there was somebody wh whom we discovered was infected. And so when I learned about it three days later, I immediately went into what is called self-isolation yes. and did, did not go to work or any, go out and meet people and so on. And then once that period was over, um, a friend of mine whom I was uh, at a meeting with, uh, he was confirmed at the end of uh, February. Uh, with, uh, and in fact, he was in the intensive care unit, so he, he was very serious uh, in his case. Uh, and, uh, but but uh, thankfully, he has recovered. Um, but uh, So I was in self-isolation again, once it was confirmed uh, for about 10 days, at, uh, mainly at the beginning of, of uh, March. Uh, and then uh, in the middle of March, soon after I went back to, 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 to the office and so on, um, work, uh, I mean, uh, the, the first lockdown was, uh, was introduced by the Malaysian government uh, for, for, for two weeks. And then uh, about after 10 days, another uh, lockdown has been in, it was extended to another two weeks. It gives me a good entry, uh, Prof, into uh, uh, a broader question and perhaps we can use um, uh, the experience that you have described of, of Kerala, uh, the state of Kerala in India, um, to perhaps um, um, tell us a, a little bit about the the East Asian experience uh, in terms of um, uh, coronavirus pandemic. Obviously, in Asia, uh, um, there is there, there was experience in dealing with these kind of things because of MERS and SARS. Um, this, this new um, virus um, came on very strong, and um, you know one of the things that we've been grappling with here, to be very honest, is that. We are um, in many parts of Africa and many other parts of the world actually um, a template seems to have developed um, that comes out of what people understand to be the template in, in, in China uh, in Wuhan especially um, and which is this, you know sort of very very massive uh, lockdown um, where as one friend put it to me the other day, you throw the economy at the virus. You just pick it up and slam it and, and then uh, try and deal with the issues later. Um, but um, you argue from... Uh, uh, firstly, I think we have to understand the specific nature of the challenge which we have. The, the challenge is that posed by a particular virus which seems to be primarily spread through contact through the three facial orifices 
which are basically the the mouth, the nose, and the and the eyes. There is concern that because it is so small, the virus also be carried by aerosol droplets. But I think one of the big problems we have had is that, particularly in the West, there was a lot of skepticism and uh, opposition to the use of face masks. This was the norm, and so we find that because of the strong Western influence on the entire world, find that there has been a lot of reluctance, even in East Asia. To start using face masks. Of course, there were profiteers who tried to raise the price of face masks and so on and so forth. But I think what we see, for example, in Kerala, is ordinary people, poor people in villages, using in India the old saris as rags to cover their faces. This has been important. Physical distancing has been extremely important, but they reject the idea of social distancing. In other words, social solidarity is extremely important because we have to face these problems together. If we rely on individual behavior and selfish individual behavior, we are going to see a huge number of problems. So let's come back to China. If we take, if we look at China, what we see is that during the first few weeks, it appears that local officials in Wuhan city suppressed information about the virus. The virus outbreak probably began around middle of November, and for a few weeks there was suppression of this information, and the virus spread. It had reached epidemic proportions in Wuhan and its environs. Now this is important because Wuhan is a large industrial city, and there are people who commute almost on a daily basis. If you think about many of the African cities. Where poor people commute from outside of the capitals. In the case of Africa, of course, the capital was kept for the colonial masters at, at one time in the past. This is very clear in Harare, for example. We find is that there are millions of people who are commuting every day to work in Wuhan, which is a major, major industrial city. So what happened then was that it became very necessary. Because the epidemic had already spread, Chinese authorities introduced a very strict lockdown in Wuhan city and the neighboring provinces. There were three provinces in all. I think it is important to recognize that in the rest of China, there were no comparable lockdowns. What happened in those three provinces, and especially in Wuhan city, is the exception rather than the rule. It is the exception we have to pay attention to when we ignore the spreading of the virus. We ignore the epidemic which is forming right under our noses through denial in various ways. So the West, for example, saw all this happening. By the time it was all this was discovered by the Beijing authorities, they insisted on a change of strategy. They immediately acted. And by the time they tested the, what was going on, they real, realized it was a, a different virus. There are many types of coronaviruses, but this is a novel coronavirus. It's a new coronavirus. This is what happened in the case of the Chinese case. And so, when they discovered this, they immediately informed the other countries as well as the WHO. The WHO has a particular protocol which it needs to determine whether or not something requires strict uh, action. 
So you need to be called an epidemic of, of international significance before you reach that stage. And it's not something which anybody can just bring a new infection. There is an evaluation process and one can criticize it. But by early January, the WHO had already uh, made that determination. China shared information about what it knew about the DNA of the virus and all that has become available and many countries have been involved in working on it. Unfortunately, two things happened in much of the West. One, there was no early action. This was dismissed as a Chinese virus and therefore not of significance to the rest of us. These Chinese with their peculiar habits and so on and so forth. And unfortunately, we are now seeing huge tragedies. Also, there was another view that particularly influential for us, the former British Empire, which was very influential in the case of the UK. They took the view that you can develop something called herd immunity. In other words, let the virus spread and eventually all of us would become immune to the virus. And it is true that such herd immunity has successfully happened before in the case of other viruses. But you cannot assume that all viruses have the same consequences. And unfortunately, this was the, the view. And so it was only in the middle of March that, uh, that the Imperial College of London basically emphasized the disastrous consequences. And then the Boris Johnson government, which had been largely preoccupied with uh, Brexit, etc., then changed its stance. So it took more than three weeks. British government only changed its stance following the publication of the ICL report about three weeks ago. Now, in the case of the US, uh, we also know there has been a deliberate attempt to blame not only China, but also the WHO. So Dr. Tedros is under tremendous attack, not only from the US, but some of its allies, such as Japan, Taiwan province, and possibly Australia as well. In any case, we see a situation now which could have been avoided if there was early action. And the US position, as you know, President Trump famously dismissed the idea of wearing uh, masks. And in Australia and other parts of the world, we have actually seen racist attacks against uh, East Asian-looking people wearing masks in public. But this is what is happening now in, in some parts of the world. So I think it's very important for us to recognize that the lockdown which happened in China was really in Wuhan and the surrounding provinces, those three provinces which I mentioned earlier. Hubei is where Wuhan is, but also the two neighboring provinces. And so it was a necessary situation. We have seen, for example, in the city of Guangdong, which is a large city in the southeastern China, in the city of Guangdong, for example, it has the second highest level of testing after uh, South Korea, the second highest level of testing. So different countries in East Asia, and this brings me to the rest of East Asia, different countries of East Asia and different parts of China itself have dealt with it through forms of early action, including the wearing of masks, promoting and sometimes insisting on the wearing of masks in public places, and physical distancing and a number of other sanitary measures. I like to emphasize the example of Korea. Because in Korea, there were no draconian measures comparable to what happened in Wuhan, for example. 
Yeah, and and it's very important because in in many governments they think that what you need are draconian measures rather than recognizing the problems to be dealt with, the most appropriate solution. Now, if I can go then to Korea, what we have had in Korea is a situation where there were all kinds of religious cults. As you know, there are many religious cults all over the world. There was a, a secretive Christian cult in the city of Daegu, where this uh, spread. So what you see in the case of Korea is tremendous number of infections and death earlier than in any other country uh, except China, of course. But what they never resorted to any draconian measures. They resorted to physical distancing. They resorted to sanitary measures, and most importantly, test, test, test. I have varied this slogan. I hope it will catch on to saying TTT: trace, test. And treat. Some people like to say trace, test, isolate, and treat. But I think you get the the basic idea. So the the idea really is the virus does not spread except through largely human vectors. Of course, they found some uh, tigers or lions in the Bronx Zoo, but I, I don't think we need to worry too much about. Uh, you know, somebody kissing the the bronc tigers or lions, right? So, so let's you know. So most of the infections are being spread by by humans, right? And usually by people in cont- physical contact with one another, families, and so on. So, so the the challenge really right now for all of us, and for for some time, not just for this lockdown period, but for a long time to come is how to uh, how to change our lifestyle to have much more to normalize physical distancing you know uh, and, and you know i mean people naturally stick out their hands at each other to shake hands and you know hug and what not but how do we get beyond how do we move beyond that you know how do we express our love for our loved ones without uh, the physical uh, uh, connection and so, so this this requires a tremendous uh, change in our lifestyles and this is part of the problem and so it is very important therefore to do the the, uh, the other lesson i want to emphasize from korea and but also in china is that it was not left only to public health authorities and to uh, home affairs police okay in many countries in all too many countries this is the approach the approach is very much on public health and and um and and uh, policing uh, 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 and 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 uh, you know i don't know whether you have seen any videos about the police beating up people you know poor people walking because they had only 4 hours of notice they 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 were walking out of of uh, of the cities to go back to their villages and 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 because they knew they couldn't survive in the in the cities without without work and so on and so forth so they were walking back to the villages they would be beaten along the, along the highways and so on this is no way to treat but what what we what is very very important is a tremendous level of public education a tremendous level of consultation with community leaders religious leaders faith leaders and 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 other uh, community leaders and involving the whole of the population to understand and not to mystify not to mystify 
uh, what what is going on to try to, to enable people to understand. There are of course people who will continue to refuse to 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 listen, but we have to do it. We can only do it through persuasion. You cannot do it through policing. You know, yeah. And this is, I think, is is the real challenge which we have. So, what uh, we have been recommending and what we draw from the Kerala experience is that you need an all of government approach. In Korea, for example, it was the education people, Ministry of Education was involved to reorganize schooling. Uh, the Ministry of Transportation was involved. How do we involve, uh, continue to have mass transportation, but try to protect people, for example, through the wearing of masks, but also through other means, staggering the, the working times and, and, and so on and so forth, so you, so you don't have the usual rush hour type of traffic, but you stagger the traffic and so on and so forth, uh, and, and, and a variety of means. A lot of the advice from Korea, however, it's really for people who are, you know, who have a certain level of comfort, you know, pe- middle class people like myself and so on. But what, and, di- and the reason we started looking at Kerala is we were looking very much f- focusing on East Asia and trying to tell the world about East Asia, getting the uh, people to, to pay attention to what was happening in East Asia, which was different and not as draconian as was implied by the Wuhan example but rather to get people to un- understand what the nature of the problem is and how uh, early action can be important. But in the event that early action fails, how do we still uh, try to deal with the problems? And that lockdown, there are a variety of lockdowns, and that lockdown alone can only be temporary because you can't shut down the economy forever. And you know, so what, what do you do during the lockdown period? And this is where many, many governments, unfortunately, have failed. They have failed to educate the, the populations about the character of the challenge. They have failed to educate the populations about what kinds of changes will be needed. They have failed to pr- get employers, for example, to think seriously about how the nature of work will change, and so on and so forth. So you really need an, uh, not only an all-of-government approach, but you need a whole-of-society approach. And a, a third very important principle coming out of the Kerala experience is how they have paid particular attention to those most likely to be left behind. And this is challenging, you see, because we tend to think in terms of the people in the formal labor force, those people in large establishments, in offices, in factories, and so on and so forth. But what about the petty businesses, the so-called informal sector? What do we do about them? And they are the ones who are hardest hit when they don't have any daily turnover. Likewise, the so-called daily rated workers, I don't know, maybe you use a different terminology in Kenya, but the people who, if they don't work today, they don't get paid, and so on and so forth. How are they going to survive this difficult period? The lockdown does not even begin to think about these problems. And, And so what we find in case of Kerala is an outstanding example of trying to address many of these problems. I mean, the article is, is intended to, uh, to draw attention of particularly people in developing countries about alternatives. Beyond a certain level of generalization about what needs to be done, there, is no, there are no universal rules. You have to devise uh, ways and means which are appropriate to societies. So if you have a large uh, agricultural society, do you really need a lockdown for people who are normally separated? 
or do you need to physically distance people when they come together, for example, at the markets? So you need much more sensible type of an approach. If you have, for example, popular icons, I don't know who are the popular icons, singers or actresses or whatever, if they can be mobilized to try to convey what new forms of interaction are going to be like. This will be very, very important. So I think we have to learn from China. In all societies, we have to learn not only the positive, but also where they made mistakes. And likewise, the rest of East Asia, as well as the Kerala example, which I think is perhaps more relevant for many developing countries, especially who have less fiscal means.